So if you have the little epistle of Jude, let's read again verse 20 through to the end of the, uh, the epistle. Jude writes, Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And in some, make, uh, and some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Well, dear brothers and sisters, as Jude draws his letter to a close, he returns to where he began, to a focus on Almighty God. The main body of the letters we noted last week is particularly bleak, but the amazing brightness of these closing two verses actually stand out best against the dark and dangerous backdrop that's gone on before. Uh, we started to look at verse 24 last week under three headings. Preservation, presentation, and jubilation. Firstly, presentation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And I said there would be no relevance in the promise that God is able to keep us from stumbling unless we who walk the Christian path know what it is to stumble. And indeed, friends, don't we know what it is to stumble? Uh, but God keeps us from stumbling. If our Christian life began with us, then we could never be confident that we would ever get to the finishing tape because if we started it how could we be sure that we would ever finish it but as we concluded last week with a reference to Philippians 1 verse 6 uh, Paul reminds us through that Philippian epistle that he who began a good work in us he will carry it through to completion and Paul does basically the same thing when he starts his letter to uh, the Corinthians, I think it's First Corinthians one verse eight. He refers to to he he refers to him who will confirm or sustain you to the end. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself in John chapter ten verses twenty seven through twenty nine says, "I give them that is His children, His followers. I give them eternal life, and they will never." perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So just continuing with this idea of stumbling for a moment. What's Jude talking about in stumbling? Well here's where Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim's Progress reread is helpful. Um, he is able to keep us from stumbling into bypath meadow. He's able to keep us from just drifting into a sleepy unconsciousness in enchanted ground. He's able to keep us from 
finding ourselves in Doubting Castle. He's able to keep us from being detained in Vanity Fair. He's able to keep us from stumbling into error. He's able to keep us from stumbling into sinful pattern of, patterns of behaviour. He's able to keep us so that we are not robbed of our joy, or robbed of our peace, or robbed of our assurance. If we are being deliberately disobedient to the clear instruction of the word of God, then we ought not to have a deep sense of assurance because disobedience and assurance do not go hand in hand. It's into that disobedient heart, it's into that wobbling heart or defiant heart that God may come to the person via a friend or a neighbor or a colleague, whatever it might be, and waking that person up by simply, you know, putting an arm on the shoulder or taking them by the elbow and speaking compassionately to them, as it says in verse 22. And some have distinction, or and some have compassion, making a distinction. Or it could be uh, grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and pulling them out of the fire, as in verse 23. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hitting even the garment defiled by the flesh. You see, beloved, these individuals who have been on the receiving end of these creeps with their furious dreams and fancies and immoral suggestions, Jude recognizes that some of them might so, so easily have stumbled into those environments. And so as he concludes his letter, he's basically saying, listen, before any of you or any of the rest of you start to go down that path, you need to know this. Now on to him. Focus the eyes on God. Now on to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Uh, but uh, says those of you who are uh, in tune and awakened tonight, you're saying, but, uh, but didn't we read, you know, in that passage earlier, didn't we read that we are supposed to keep ourselves? Isn't that what it says in verse 21? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, verse 24, he is able to keep you. So it's the, the old timer's prayer, oh God, keep me kept. God provides the means and we use the means. Didn't God preserve Noah in the judgment of the flood? But Noah built the ark. Now, there's a wonderful hymn by Joseph Addison, <coughs> 17th century hymn. And we'll be singing it uh, shortly before we go to prayer. It's uh, 121 in Christian hymns, if you want to turn it up. And it's sort of, uh, you know, one, two, one minute. When all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys. It sums up basically uh, what we're looking at under this heading 
of uh, preservation. Uh, Christian hymns um, include six of the 13 verses that Addison, um, that Addison wrote. Now you see verse 1. When all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, transported with the few, am lost in wonder, love, and praise. Second verse, unnumbered comforts to my soul, thy tender care bestowed. Before my infant heart conceived, from whom those comforts flowed. When worn with sickness, oft hast thou, with health renewed my face. And when in sins and sorrow sunk, revive my soul with grace. And then that wonderful uh, fifth verse, turn over the page. Through every period of my life, thy goodness I'll pursue. And after death, is not interesting, that death is not the end, and Addison recognizes it. And after death in distant worlds, the glorious theme renew. I beloved, it, this is truly amazing, isn't it? You know, how, how is it that I'm here? How is it that you're here? How is it that we have not been shipwrecked along the way? How is it that we have not succumbed to the silly ideas that sometimes uh, flit across our minds and the evil propensities of our own hearts that if they were led bare tonight we would be running a mile from each other? How is it that we're still here? Because he who keeps you from falling even when we want to stumble. And you might think that's a bit odd. Even when, you want, even when you want to stumble, he keeps you from stumbling. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Billy? Well, didn't, well, you know, the hymn writers, you know, they're so honest. Isn't it? Wesley says, in love to find all loves excelling, take away the love of sinning. Do you love to sin? Is there a side to sin that you love? And you're drawn to it, even though you hate it, even though you shouldn't be going to it. Boy, you love that sin. Well, there's something you look at or something you indulge in or whatever. The draw is there. Oh, take away the love of sinning. He is able to keep you. And you know, when you read all of Addison's hymn, uh, you wonder what was going on in his life when he, he wrote the first that's never sung. When in the slippery paths of youth with heedless steps I ran. Thine arm unseen conferred me safe and led or brought me up to man. Amazing. wonder what he's up to. And God in his grace reached down and kept him. Preservation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. But secondly, presentation. And to present you 
faultless before the presence of his glory. Now it's easily uh, missed, but notice the negative and the positive. Kept from and presented to. Paul writes to Titus, Titus 2 verse 13, and he says that believer, the believer is looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what Judas is reminding us, reminding us of here. That's what Judas is referring to here, beloved. There's a day when you and I will be presented. And it's hard to believe, isn't it? When you think of the evil propensities of your heart. And that take away the love of sinning. And yet you're going to be presented faultless. You know, how will you ever get there? How will you or I, you know, ever be presented faultless? Why would God ever want to present us faultless? You know, God's in charge of the presentation. And we're not going to go in there uh, boasting about our background, what we did, what we said, what we gave. No, it will always be onto him. Onto him. You know, with harps and with files, there stands a great throng in the presence of Jesus when we're presented. And they sing this new song, onto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin. Onto him be the glory forever. Amen. All we were once sinners defiled in his sight, but were presented. Now are red in pure garments. In praise we unite unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin. Unto him be the glory forever. Amen. He maketh the rebel. He maketh a rebel, a priest and a king. Boy, a doorkeeper would be enough. Someone just brushing up the leaves around the celestial city would be enough. But he maketh a rebel, a priest and a king. He hath bought us with his own precious blood. He hath bought us and taught us this new song to sing. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin. Unto him be the glory forever. Amen. 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 You see, beloved, if a congregation does not begin with unto him. If, it, if, if we never begin with unto him, it will begin with somebody or something else. You know, when people come through the doors of this little chapel on a Sunday, if they're not saying, you know, in this place, it is all on to him. It's all about him. Then we're doing something drastic, drastically wrong. And, and if it's not about him, as I say, we have failed miserably. 
It must be always from start to finish. Now on to him. And he will present us. Present us faultless. When, we, when he shall come with the trumpet sound. And he shall gather us in his arms. Oh may I then in him be found. Clothed in his righteousness alone. Faultless. Faultless to stand before the throne. You know we could have taken the first half hour tonight. And just sang all of these wonderful hymns. That tell us about God. You know preserving us and God presenting us. In the Old Testament. In the book of Numbers. Chapters 28 and chapters 29. There's, a, there's, just, there's just this succession of statements. That demand that anything that is offered to Almighty God must be offered without blemish. And if you take time to go through those two chapters in Numbers 28 and 29. And you just underline every time it says uh, without blemish, without blemish, without blemish. You realize that God's holiness was such that it was not possible in any sense to offer up to him that which was blemished or marred in any way. And of course, that applied not only to food offerings, not only to animal offerings, but also to people. Hence the dilemma. Hence the dilemma of David. Why we read Psalm 15. Lord who may abide in your tabernacle. Who may dwell in your holy hill. Well, he answers the, the question in verses uh, 2 through 4 doesn't he. But verses 2 and 3. Who, who, can, who can dwell in your holy hill. He who walks uprightly. He who works righteousness. He who speaks the truth in his heart does not backbite, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor take up a reproach against his friend. Well, beloved, there's a real problem. Do you have a blameless walk? Do I have a blameless walk? Ever stumbled? Because, you know, taking... Taking Psalm 15 to its logical conclusion. It means that no one. No one could ever dwell in the presence of a holy. Holy God. Boy how is it answered? How is that dilemma resolved? It's answered in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now unto him. The lamb without spot or blemish. The blameless one takes our place. The blameless one bears our punishment. We're kept because he kept God's law in all of its perfection. In him we are incorporated by grace to stand in the presence of his glory complete in him. Now on to him, in him, for him, with him. As Paul 
writes that wonderful doxology in Romans for to him and through him and you know for him through him to him are all things to God be the glory forever amen now this of course is what the Bible teaches isn't it right throughout its pages we understand justification don't we the God of his own mercy and motivated by nothing at all in any one of us forgives us our sins forgives the sins of men and women freely and not only does he do that but he counts us righteous in the righteousness that is ours in Christ listen to this sentence from John Calvin the son of God though spotlessly pure took upon himself the ignominy of and shame of our sin and in return clothed us with his purity so God receives the sinner only on the grounds of the perfect spotless blameless peerless righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ which is credited to us imputed to us through our faith in him in Luke 23 we have the conversion of the dying thief in Luke 23 and looking to Jesus the thief says Lord will you remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus says today you will be with me in paradise you know uh, friends when you get an invitation to something sometimes it comes with a, a dress code you know formal business smart casual smart casual can you imagine the um, can you imagine a thief on the cross asking is there a dress code for entry entry into this kingdom because Jesus I'm hanging here naked and Jesus says well actually yes there is there's a robe of righteousness but Jesus I'm not righteous ah don't worry I've got you covered and Christ has got us covered in his precious blood you see Jesus saying through faith in me you may stand bold before the throne of God above because you have the strongest perfect plea and you know when you get there you can learn to sing that new song unto him <laughs> unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin 
Unto him be the glory forever. Amen. Maybe Jesus said, you know, uh, and you'll learn to sing another sing, uh, hymn that hasn't been written yet. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked. Hanging there naked as a jaybird. Yeah, naked. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Can you imagine the thief welcomed into that company of singing that day? No condemnation now I dread. Jesus, that guy that I was hanging next to, Jesus and all in him is mine. I'm here because I'm alive in him, my living head. And he was right. Clothed in righteousness defined. And so behold, it's with boldness that I approach this eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Beloved, that's the testimony of believing faith. The testimony of those who will be presented faultless. Thirdly, jubilation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, preservation. And to present you faultless, Presentation before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jubilation. What's exceeding joy? Well, joy like there's no other. Joy like we've never experienced it. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and surprised by joy, tackles it in all kinds of ways and various angles. And he says at one point, the human soul was made to enjoy some object that is never fully given. Nay, can't even be imagined as given in our present mode of subjective spatio-temporal experience. In other words, the thing that we long for is actually beyond us. The solid joys and lasting treasures that we sing about. The solid joys are these. The joy of sin being gone. Why don't we long for that one? The joy of Satan being shut out forever. The joy of no more temptation. That's gone forever. The joy of being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself forever. And seeing the joy on Jesus' face. As he sees the travail of his soul. And as he recognizes the wonder. Of presenting the church. Now you think I could be going out on a limb here. The wonder of the man Christ Jesus in heaven. As he presents his church. His bride. The joy. On the face of King Jesus. 
he will have the prize for which he died. The nations from east, south, east, west, north, south, all there gathered around the throne. God himself will have joy. Spurgeon says God himself will have joy. It will be infinitely displayed in the presence of all. He's quoting from Zechariah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst will rejoice over you with gladness. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you ever sang to your sweetheart? God rejoices over us with singing. You know that Stevie Wonder song? I just called to say I love you. I remember ringing one time and starting to sing that to the bird over, over the phone. And she says, would you shut up? <laughs> you know, but God will rejoice over with us with singing. Spurgeon goes on. I can imagine when the world was made, the morning stars shouted for joy. But God didn't sing. He just said, it's very good. Uh, There was no song then. But oh, think of it, when the great company, innumerable, multinational, shall meet around the throne, the joy of the eternal Father shall swell so high that God who fills all in all shall burst into infinite godlike song. And what will we do? We will shout, we will sing unto him. Unto him who hath loved us. The one who kept me from stumbling. Unto him, the one who brought me here, as he promised. He did complete the work that he began. Unto him, the one who presents me faultless with joy. That's why the longing of the human heart is actually ultimately a longing to know God. To know him more. To be known by God. And the solid joys and lasting treasures are only found in God and only found in God's revelation of himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And beloved, that's only enjoyed by those who are prepared to say, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Amen.